0: Hi, my name is Victor, and welcome to the spring break edition of the USC Christian Challenge podcast. As we progress through life, it's important to get perspectives from those who have gone before us so that we can learn from their successes and their regrets to build our lives in a way that really honors God. So in this age and stage talk, Enoch and Eric, two working professionals, prepare the graduating seniors and the graduate students about life after college and about walking with Jesus until the very end.
1: All right, we're going to start. Hopefully there's no more tension and things you have to confess. Confess to each other. That's right. Well, welcome everyone to our senior Ages and Sages. Um, My name's Eric. I'm on staff with USC Christian Challenge. I've been on staff for seven years. Um, I work in the tech industry as a senior product manager for a company called Internet Brands. They own things like WebMD, stuff like that, so I'm a product manager there doing health tech stuff. And I studied biomedical engineering in college. Awesome.
2: Yeah, and uh, my name is Enoch, and uh, part of USC Christian Challenge uh, on staff as well. Um, and I've been on staff since 2015, so that's about seven years as well. And uh, I work full-time for an electric car company called Rivian, and uh, I help build their electric car factories. So, yeah, and uh, my background is in architecture, so I graduated with a degree in architecture from USC in 2012. So, um, and before we start, just want to make sure that everybody has a handout. So, there you go. Beautiful. All so, cool. Well,
1: the goal of today is essentially twofold. One, we want to encourage you to finish well, College is almost over, but it's not over quite yet. You know, there, there's probably some things that God still has for you to do and you can still make an impact even in the last, you know, month or so that you have as a student, you're still called to give God glory in this last month. Uh, so we really want to encourage you to, to finish the race well of college. We also want you to be able to start well because the race isn't over, right? Uh, you, you can think of this as, you know, the first leg of an Ironman race you have your first leg you've done the swimming part there's still a lot more to go and it would be a shame if you were to stumble you know on the on the next leg and really not finish the grander race of of life well there's a lot more that god has ahead of you and we really want to help you get off on the right foot for that next part of life, You know, the heart of, of Christian challenge has always been not just for you to walk well with God during college for four or five years, whatever that is, but to walk with God for a lifetime and be able to impact people for his kingdom for a lifetime. So we're hopeful that this helps you do that well also. Um, so that's why we have on there um, kind of the final countdown. We're going to be talking about ending college well and then starting work life well and what that what life after college looks like. So starting with finishing well. Uh, you see the little caption there, you want to be making the most of your influence that you have amidst some new distractions. As seniors, you have built up a lot of influence. Some of that is just by the way of, you know a lot of stuff. You're the oldest ones in the room uh, when you get together with other students. So you have a lot of influence just by that fact. And hopefully, you know, some of you are probably leaders in challenge as well, bearing a lot of re- responsibility serving. Um, but next year, you're going to be gone. And all of that knowledge and experience and insight that you have is yeah. going to go with you. You're not going to drop off the face of the earth. You know, you can still be friends with people in college, obviously, and I hope that you, you would. But you're just not going to have the same amount of time or influence with some of the younger students that you have right now. So as you're going through this last month or so or whatever it is, one thing you really want to be thinking about that's really going to help is, how can I be passing the torch on to the next generation, the next group of students who are coming up? You know, this is something that Paul faced in his life. Now, if you take a look at 2 Timothy, Paul is about to die. He's in prison. Um, he, he literally is going to fall off the face of the earth. He's about to be killed. And he's writing to Timothy. And what does he tell him? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, he says, "'You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus.'" And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So if you see, when Paul is going through a transition where he will no longer be around to influence, he really passes the vision on to Timothy. He passes the torch. You know, rather than just die, Paul wants the work to continue after he is gone. You know, stay strengthened in Christ, stay rooted in him, and then pass on what you have learned to others, other faithful people. So one of the things that will help you finish strong this last month or so in college is being able to pass on what you've learned to the juniors, the sophomores, the freshmen coming up so that the work can continue when you leave and, and go on to, to the working world. You, you have a lot of influence. So take advantage of that, pass those things on. And, and one of the distractions that you're gonna face is Senioritis, right? You're you're almost done. I think it's probably very easy, and I would say even natural to feel like I'm over it. I'm ready to move on. I mean, is anyone feeling like that? One couple, honest people, like it's very easy just to feel like I, I'm just ready to to be over this. You know, maybe some of you have a job already, and it's like who cares like how classes go anymore? I have the job. Maybe your GPA is so good that it doesn't really matter how you finish because you're good enough, right? Um, I, I think though, God really does care how you finish your classes and this last semester. If you take a look in Colossians 3, 24, it says, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. What that verse says is that by working hard in school and finishing your class as well, you are actually serving Christ which I would say is extremely important. It's something that we have to take seriously, even if it doesn't matter to your employer or to your GPA, it matters to God. I think sometimes we look at verses like that and think, you know, well, does that mean everything? Like whatever you do, uh, work it out with all your heart. You know, I, I think God meant that. And I think we ought to take that seriously. So if you want to finish well, I think one of the big things is going to be Finishing your class as well, you know, going, doing well on the tests, doing the best you can. Cause keep in mind too, you also have a lot of influence. And so if the, the younger people see you slacking off, that's not really using your influence well. So in the midst of this distraction that being a senior is and, and feeling like you just don't care anymore, I would encourage you just to think through that and and continue to give God glory through through how you work in school.
2: Awesome. Pass over to awesome, so I'm gonna you know cover basically what to do in the midst of job hunting interviews etc and I want to do a quick poll like who who, who here are still doing job hunting right give me a raise of hand yeah so that's a that's a good number of you and trust me I've been in your shoes before um, you know I have the exact same boat you know like when I was a student that was back in 2012 spring break we we're also here at Hume Lake and I was in the same boat, you know. I was still, you know, like really in the midst of figuring out what I'll be doing after I graduate. And there's a lot of like angst going on, right? It's very anxious, right? And at times it can be depressing as well, right? Because you kind of figure out like it's something that honestly you have very little control over, right? Like, 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 and 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 on the other hand, it's a, it's a, also like a very particular time that it's very easy to compare yourself with others, right? You know, it's very easy to say, like, oh, like, my roommate just got an offer from Goldman Sachs, right? You know, my, my roommate just got an offer from Google for, like, a six-figure starting salary, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's very easy to start putting yourself in, in this position of comparison. And one thing that I remember a wise person to share with me is, like, comparison is the robber of joy. And I, I remember, like, wow, well, that's good. So I'll repeat that. Comparison is the robber of joy, so for, I think one of the first things to remind yourself during this midst of job hunting, et cetera, is not to compare yourself with others because everybody is unique, right? Um, and I think um, that is very dear to my heart. It's it's really God's faithfulness. Um, Matthew six thirty three. um, that verse has been very dear to my heart, especially remember during when I was, job hunting, uh, and that verse is in the back, as it says, like, but seek ye, you know, first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well, and of course, the rest of the verse goes into, like, talking about, like, how really, like, God will take care of, like, the birds and stuff, right, like, like and, and, and how much more will he take care of you because he loves you so much, and I think, like, this is some, a truth that we have to remind ourselves over and over again, It's like, God is faithful, and he's not going to rip you off. He's going to provide for you. Um, And I think like leaning, you know, into this truth during this job hunting will give you a a lot of peace. And our thing to remember is that your first job is not your career. And I think that is something very important to, 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 to remember is that your first job is not your career. So meaning that God might take you on a path that might be different from what you envision your career might be. Uh, we have a guy, uh, you know, that that I was uh, discipling. That he was an animation major, and like he basically like he likes like you know he's very talented, but because of COVID and all these different things, right? What he ended up having to do is to go back home, and be a waiter and wait tables. And at first, of course, you can say like, oh, this is like such a horrible thing, right? Like he's so talented, why why this happened to him? But really through that, God has really trained him and raised him up in terms of his patience. And remember that God is in the character shaping business. This is what he's interested in, shaping your character. And fast forward a year and a half later, he came back to LA and guess what? He's working at Netflix now and doing like animation production. But how, once again, your first job is not your career. Your first job doesn't define you and so just know that you can trust God with that and lean into him because he is faithful um, and of course you also want to be faithful in applying for jobs right it's not like if you don't apply for any jobs then all of a sudden it will be like hey God you know like here's a job for you no like you still have to do your part and be faithful and keep applying for jobs and interfering but I just want to remind you of that um, the next one it's about developing good habits um, also, in that quick poll, how many of you here are uh, musicians or uh, athletes or do any kind of sports? Yeah, that's a good number, right? So something that I found really common, you know, in terms of like music and sports is training. Um, you know, like going back to the idea of Ironman race, right? Uh, Ironman race, um, I listed out here on a, a light little diagram, but it's actually a total 140 miles of race. And it usually takes an average of 17 hours to complete that race. Now you say, like, holy moly, that's a long race, right? I mean, Courtney, I think I saw Courtney over there, right? Courtney, you have done triathlon, right? The
3: sprint triathlon.
2: Yeah, the sprint triathlon. (laughs) You know, think about that, like Ironman as that on like super steroids, right? But then like if you zoom out and look at your life, an average person live 692,000 hours. And if you do the math, that equates to about 40,000 Ironman races. And the reason why I want to bring this to you is because like as a musician, as an athlete, right, let's say, you know, like you, you, you train because you want to make sure you do it the right way, right? Because the longer you go, if you don't develop good habits through training, it's actually harder to get rid of that bad habit, right? One of the hardest thing to do is actually to untrain somebody. And same thing for Ironman race, like people will build up to that and train up for that. And if your whole life, it's equates to like 40,000 Ironman race, wouldn't you want to have a good start? Wouldn't you want to develop good habits, you know, to start with? So and and something about college life is like there's no better time to develop good habits because you have so many peers. All right. Let's just look around you. Right. Look to your left go right that you have friends around you that loves you that cares about you. you. have mentors right you have people that will speak truth into your life and help help you build good habits um you know and and so like you know the first that came to mind is first corinthians 9 24 to 27 which is also you know at the back right but it talk about like do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets a prize run in such a way as to get a prize everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Once again, remember, your lifetime, it's a lifetime. It's forty 40,000 Ironman races. You really want to develop good habits from the get-go, and there's no better time to do it in college life. So with that, we're gonna switch gear into the next session, which is about your first job. So newsflash, congratulations. When you start your new job, you'll be a freshman in life again. So, and this is not to depress you, but this is really the reality. You know, going into the workforce, it's like starting school all over again. There's a lot of rebuilding and relearning happening. I cannot tell you how nervous I was when I first started my first job that the phone on my table rang for the first time. It rang, rang, and rang I like, What should I do? Like, like, do you answer it? Like in school, they never taught you how to answer a phone at work. So pick up the phone, answer it. Hello, you know, like my company I was working in. And I was like, oh, oh okay, 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 okay. And then, like, I was supposed to transfer that person as a potential client, and I pressed the wrong button and cut that person off. <laughs> and I was like, that was a giant humble pie that I ate that day. Yeah. But just remember, right, like, little things like that where your first job, there's a lot of, like, rebuilding and relearning happening. And, and how do you, you know, stay on course during this, you know, transition period? Um, so we're going to basically like, you know, dive dive into, you know, a little bit about kind of like the insider scoop, you know, of a job application and interview process. Um, you know, and I think like one of the first thing that, uh, you know, I, I want to mention, it's essentially like basically, you know, getting your you know, resume ready, like when you're trying to like apply your first job and, and everything. Um, you know, something that, you know, Eric and I both do is that we interview a lot of people in our jobs. Um, so, you know, this is a true insider scope, uh, scoop that. Um, you know, but one of the reminders is like, as you're applying for jobs, you know, sending your resumes and everything, uh, it's very important, you know, that, that you really craft your resume to that job. Um, the reality is between Eric and I, we've discussed earlier, it's like, We spend maybe like at most 30 seconds on each resume we received 30 seconds it's just like that and so you really it's really important for you to like craft your resume specific to the job and also you know like a a, you know basically like a cover letter that speaks to that job as well because we can tell what is a generic resume just like that we've seen enough that was like now this guy generic resume didn't really have their heart next, you know. It's really just like that. So definitely make sure that you put in, you know, effort in that. Uh, for example, like if I look at my computer right now, uh, when I was job hunting, I have like eight versions uh, of my resume and cover letter, and each one catered to a specific job title, a uh, specific company that I was applying to. Uh, and because I want to make sure like the job, like recruiter or the hiring manager knows that, hey, I am interested in this company. I'm interested in this job. So with that transition back to Eric. Yeah,
1: uh, I, I think another thing to talk about with, with interviews specifically, and this, this applies to resumes, too, is you probably know this. There is definitely the temptation to stretch the truth and, and build up your accomplishments and pad those numbers and all that. Uh, and I, I recently switched jobs, um, about six months ago, and that was a very real temptation to me. You know, I was reading through example resumes of, uh, different people applying to my position. I was like, man, there's a (laughs) a lot on here, uh, intimidating. And and the temptation is to stretch. Uh, what I would tell you is, is don't do that, you know, And, and I made sure to pray before every interview I went in, God, would you help me just present myself accurately for two reasons? One, integrity is important, you know? before God, you want to be able to say that you had integrity when you went through an interview. Um, because what's more, most, most important is not that you get a job, it's that God is pleased, right? And that you tell the truth. Uh, I was even reading through a recently a, a, you know, report on what is the most valued thing in employees. Like, what are some of the most valued things that interviewers look for? And honesty was on there. And I, I mean, I don't know about you, Enoch, but I want honest people to, to work with, right? Um, so, so, one before God, you want to be honest. Proverbs 20, verse seventeen says, "Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel." You know, even if you get the job, if you gained it by deceit, that's going to lead to a bad taste um, and consequences. Right? You can get a job and just look totally foolish because you are not qualified. But that being said, you know, when you get into a job, as Enoch just said, you're going to have to learn some things. That's not what this is about. This is about you know selling yourself in such a way that you're, you're just not being truthful and then you mm-hmm. are expected to do something that you cannot. Um, another thing too is as an interviewer, I, I can tell when you're kind of padding and making things up because um, I'm doing the job. I know what it takes. I know what it's like. And so I can see through that in a lot of cases. And so it's just not a good look. Like I don't want to hire someone who's making things up or who's padding things. I want to hire someone who is honest. I would hire someone who doesn't have as much experience, but is very honest and wants to be teachable and wants to learn above someone who thinks they know everything. I've been in an interview, actually, where after we said, yeah, that guy knew a lot, but I don't think he would fit well with our team because he just seemed like he knew it all. And uh, we're looking for someone who's a little more teachable. And so we passed on that person. Um, So be honest. God cares about that. And, And you know, we can really trust that God will put us in the right jobs for us. Ones that were where we can really glorify him. And and I think part of that is just being very honest in the interviews. The next thing I would say is come prepared with a lot of questions. If you read any bit of advice on interviews, it always says come with questions. And as someone who does interview, that's another big thing for me that really shows you care about this job rather than you're just trying to get a job. Now, obviously you need to get a job. So I, as a, I understand that, like we need to get paid and I get that, but again, I want to hire someone who is interested in what we're doing, not just like, what company is this for? You know, like someone who has no idea what's going on. Um, all the best interviews I've had have felt like more of a back and forth with yeah. me and the inter, uh, interviewee where we're just talking about the role and I'm asking them questions. They ask me a question back. Um, it really helps. Another thing that I would say being someone who interviews is your body language matters. I noticed that and I think in this day and age with Zoom being a primary interview medium, I don't know the right word, um, channel, uh, you can appear very distracted very easily. So just be aware of that kind of stuff. Um, It's helpful. And and I think the last thing I wanted to say on interviews is stay encouraged and just the job search in general, Mm -hmm. just stay encouraged as you go through it. When you're rejected, it doesn't mean you're an idiot. (laughs) I think that it feels like that. Like, man, I'm stupid. Like obviously I wasn't qualified. Um, I'm incompetent. I felt like that many times Um, and that could get you into a really bad place. But as someone who interviews, what I'm looking for is a good fit. And you may not just be not a good fit. Like there may have been someone who had just very specific experience come in next year. And I was like, wow, you would have been really good, but we we can't pass this person up. Um, So don't feel like, Again, don't tell, you, tell yourself the truth. It's not because you're stupid. It's not because you're incompetent. Um, really, the truth is, if you're a bad fit, you don't want to work there anyway. It's not going to be fun. Like You're going to be miserable the whole time. So stay encouraged and really trust God through this process. I know that's been, I, I could tell you many stories about trusting God through work and, and getting different jobs and how, you know, I, I've worked only two jobs. So I guess I couldn't tell you many stories. I can tell you two. But in um, <laughs> both of them, God really used me And it was a place where I could really flourish and grow. And there were many jobs that passed me up and I'm very thankful that they did because I got to the right place and I was able to trust God through that. So it might be hard. You might have to go through a lot. I don't know what God has in store. You know, we've had friends who didn't get a job till like October after they graduated, things like that, but keep at it, stay encouraged.
2: Yeah, that's, that's really awesome to hear. Um, And then I, the last thing, you know, two things I'll add to that is one is like, um, how many of you like dread the interview process? Yes, I I I totally understand that, right? Like it's something that's just something about interview. It's like it just makes you super nervous, right? I remember like one of my worst nightmare. Um, I'm being really vulnerable here. It's like I remember going into an interview back then. They still have in in person interview, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and one of my thing, it's like when I get nervous. Actually, it's happening now as well. My hands got super wet. And I was like, I do not want to give my future hiring manager a wet handshake. That's like probably the <laughs> grossest thing, you know, like so anyways like this still gives me a nightmare, you know. was like I gotta like wipe my hands dry. But but on the other hand, I something that really changed for me was like in terms of the attitude towards interview, it's like it became something I'm really nervous about. It's like make it or break it to like an opportunity for me to learn, to grow and to get trained. And that just little tiny switch of uh, like kind of like attitude really changed because I start looking forward to interview because I want to know the people that's interviewing me. Like, mm-hmm. why are you working there? Like, like what excites you about this company? Like, like tell me all the stuff that you're doing. And and this like whole thing like became like this something I look forward to. It's like a, it's like I get to like know more people. But b, I'm also getting free training in communication. So it's, 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 it's something that I really come to enjoy interviewing. And I think that really shows during the interview process that when somebody actually wants to be at the interview, somebody that is actually like kind of more relaxed and, and having a good time, like that makes a huge difference. Um, and the last thing I want to mention is in terms of the human connection part. Um, you know, a lot of you might think like, hey, I have submitted like, you know, like five online application and I have done my job, my responsibility applying for a job. Eh, that's not right. Like you have actually, you haven't done anything at all. The reason why is because, you know, your job is to look for a job, you right. Until you find a job and, and, and something that I would highly recommend you is to figure out how to connect, uh, you know, in terms of like in person to person. So an example would be where if you see a job posting, try to look that hiring manager up on LinkedIn, reach out to that person. It's like, Hey, I saw this job listing here. Would you mind, you know, like telling me a little bit more about that, right? Or, you know, if like school have networking events and stuff, go to those networking events. Because a lot of times companies will have representatives there talking to you, taking, you know, resumes, etc. But because like, you know, like for a lot of the hiring that we've done in the past, a lot of the times, like we would put people... Who have a face to their name first, meaning that they have been referred by somebody. You know, it's somebody that we've met at job fairs, somebody that reached out to LinkedIn. You know, to to me, etc. Because now this person is no longer just a name on the resume. This person is actually, you know, like I actually have conversation with that person. Um, so definitely, definitely, like I couldn't emphasize enough, like that kind of like human connection part of it. So with that, we have to uh, kind of keep moving forward so let's say you got your job right your first job how do you do well at work how do you excel at work um and the verse that came to my mind is first corinthians um you know first there you go first corinthians ten thirty one. um and this first has really shaped my work attitude you know since i graduated it's like so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of god um, something that Chuck uh, met and shared yesterday um, at uh, the workshop about hard attitudes. It's like he works hard and he encourages other people to work hard because he wants other people to know that Christians are the best. Like Christians are the best. And when I heard that yesterday, it's like, yes, that's such a great summary. It's like, as Christians, we want to strive to be the best at work. You know, we should be the one, you know, that really do a good job at work. And a huge part of this, because like if you do a sloppy job at work, how can you even like witness to other people, right? Like in the work world, you have to earn the right to speak. You have to earn the right to share. If you do a sloppy job, if you show up work late all the time, if you never finish your tasks on time, you know, if you always like, you know, like try to get out of responsibility, do you think you have the credibility to share like how God has changed your life? No, right? So you need to do well at work, you know, and, and the attitude I, I would rec- recommend you to do, it's from Colossians 3, 23 or 24, right? It's like, whatever you do, do at it with all your heart. kind like of Eric shared earlier, right? As working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. I remember it was also spring break that a speaker told me, like, when you work, your boss, your ultimate boss is God. And that really stuck with me, you know, because now I know like, yes, like, you know, you know I, of course I have like, you know, my, my boss, my supervisor at work, but ultimately I know that I want to glorify God through how well I do at work as well. So I just want to remind you of that kind of like important of, of, of you know, understanding that. Um, and the next thing it's like, so, you know, how do you have a ministry at work? Um, like this is, this is something that, um, Eric has spoken, you know, m- many times before and there's a lot of good stuff. So I encourage you, you know, like, uh, shameless fuck here, probably mm-hmm. like somewhere in the challenge podcast, there's probably like message about that, but you know, something that, um, that, that, that really stood to me is, is the first Colossians three twelve. um, you know, it says like put on then. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. When you enter the work world, something that you'll realize is that a lot of the times, people are actually kind of a cutthroat, like people, in order to advance, um, either in their own position or even just trying to get stuff done, will be willing to trample over others, right? Uh, I've been in many meetings where things got really tense because people are just trying to get their way, you know. Um, but on the other hand, I believe that as Christians, as believers, we're called to do something different. Um, you know, this verse particularly is, you know, dear, dear to my heart is because I think in the age of working remotely, it's harder to build like personal relationship because you connect with coworkers really mostly through Zoom. And you all know, right, like, Zoom nowadays is either associated with online school, right, or work, right? But a lot of the times that, you know, you no longer have those kind of, like, water cooler moments where you guys are hanging out at the pantry, just, like, hang out. It's like, what's up? You know, how is your day going? Um, and I think, like, this first reminds me, like, even if I'm re- working remotely these days or in person, I really want to, want to live that out where, you know, I want to have a compassionate heart about my, my, my coworkers. So one thing that I started making a point of doing is that whenever I run a meeting, before I actually jump into the meeting stuff, I'll spend a couple minutes connecting with people that are in the meeting. i Hey, like, you know, for example, like, Hey Jim, how are you doing? Like, you told me that you're about to go on this trip, you know, like how's, how are you preparing for that? You know, or like, for example, Hey, Jessica. You know, like, uh, you know, last time we met, you said, like, you, you know, you have stitches on your face um, because of some accidents. How is that healing? How is that recovering? But I made a point to remember, like, how every one of my coworkers are doing and ask them how they're doing, you know, like whenever I got a chance. But as Christians, you really, really want to take the lead and set the pace in caring for each other. Um, and, and, you know, we don't have as much time to cover, but there's also things like, for example, like kindness and humility, right? You know, like at work, it's very tempting to come up boast yourself, right? Because obviously you want to, you know, be presented well, you want to move up the ladder, so to speak, right? But at the end of the day, you know, as Christians, we're called to a different standard, right? We're called to be kind, we're called to be humble. So, um, let's see. Yeah. And then like the last thing for me would be like in terms, uh, it's, uh, you know, be ready to share at any moment. And that's from first Peter, uh, three like be in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, always what be prepared. Exactly. That's a cure. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Um, and a recent story, it's like, uh, I was basically, uh, on my way to, uh, Uh, our company Christmas party and my direct supervisor my boss uh, basically he uh, didn't drive his car to the office that day so I ended up driving him um, to the party and it was like probably like a 45 minutes 50 uh, minutes drive with traffic and everything and all of a sudden we just start talking about life he started talking about like what I do outside of work, you know, like everything. And I just very naturally share like how outside of work, I'm also part of a campus ministry called, you know, Christian Challenge, you know, and so I and just just very naturally start sharing about like how, you know, that has something I it's very dear to my heart. Um, it really changed my life. And that's why I'm really uh, privileged, feel, feel, privileged to spend my time there as well and start also talking about. And next thing you know, I start talking about how God really impacted my life and, how that changed my marriage, how I managed my finances, et cetera. And the, the whole conversation was supernatural. There's nothing awkward about it. It's not like I'll be trying to like do, you know, like a, like, like a sudden turn. And it's like, oh, let's talk about, you know, like how God changed my life. No, it was a very naturally flowing conversation. Um, and that's because, you know, uh, like I'm ready to share at any moment, you know, and I have, you know, I've thought through those things where, you know, like if somebody asks me, like how God has changed my life, I I don't have to like stumble across it, right? Like I can just say like, yeah, God has done this, this, and this. Uh, Some of you, it's on ministry team, right? Like, you know, we were doing something called like 15 minutes, like 15 seconds testimony, right? And part of it is to basically get ready, like at any moment on cue that you can share really quickly what God has done in your life. So and of course you want to do it with you know uh basically gentleness and also wisdom as well right um you don't want to do the bible smack where it's like you are a sinner repent right <laughs> you know so it you know it doesn't work that way you know but on the other hand you do it respectfully you you know share out of how god has really changed your own life um yeah and I end up being able to you know basically say like hey like you know if you want to come check out you know our church um to do it and he end up sharing even more about his own spiritual background as well so just want to encourage you all you know while you're at school you know build good habits going back to like do, build good habits of being able to relate those conversations back to how God has changed you how God has impacted you because when you have that good habit while you're at the work world the same habit translates as well so with that I'm going to transition back to Eric
1: so now we're going to talk about money And this is maybe exciting. I don't know. It is kind of exciting to think that you'll have money, uh, (laughs) hopefully. But I will say this is possibly of all the areas in life, the one that has drawn my heart away more from God after college. Um, And I've really, I think, struggled in this area, I would say. And so there's a lot we could say about this one, uh, a ton. Uh, We could fill up a whole spring break with this. Um, But I just wanna share some verses that have helped me recenter my heart on this because it is so easy to start to think your worth is that number because that's what the world says. That's how much you're worth or your work is worth. And it's so easy to get sucked into that. So the first thing that has really helped me is remembering that I am not the provider, God is. God gave me that money. Um, It's God's money and he chooses me to be a steward of it. Um, I was reading one day in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and I came across 17 and 18, which says, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. And I remember that being very humbling to me, because um, I had at that point uh, over doubled my initial salary when I got out of college. Like I was making way more than I ever thought. And I just thought I worked to get this. But the scripture says, no, God gave me that. Um, yeah, Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18. Um, God strengthened me, gave me the ability to get that money. Uh, it's his. I am his. Because so that really set my mind off in a, in, in a better space for dealing with that. And then once I realized that, the next thing was then, well, what is money for, according to God? And God says money is for your needs and for blessing others. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, that whole chapter, if you just read that, you'll get a... Awesome course in how to deal with money. But verses 10 through 11 say, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply, multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. See, our money is not actually for us. It is to be generous and to bless others and to serve others and to meet our needs. Finally, with that, the last thing that was really helpful for me was being content with whatever God gave me. If God was indeed the provider and indeed he has told me how to use my money, then I can be content with what I have left over after, you know, he directs where I need to give and bless others and, and all that stuff. Um, Proverbs 30 verses eight through nine say, remove far from me from falsehood and line. But then it says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. You see, there's wisdom in having enough for you to live and fulfill your needs. Um, and there's wisdom in having not more than your character can handle. And I remember that's something that Jeremy said one time, like he never wants to have more money than his character can handle. I've thought about that a lot since then. Um, And I've prayed that a lot, and that was a tough prayer to pray, because that limits me, because I definitely don't have the character to handle lots of money. Um, But God, I I, I found that as I've been focused on being faithful of what I do have, God has increased it. Um, But that's not, again, for me, it's to be faithful and to be a steward with that. And, you know, how can I use this money to glorify God rather than how can I use this money to pad whatever account or whatever status I want? Um, the last thing I will say is if you do love money, you will never be satisfied. It doesn't matter how much you make. You can make a million, you know, a billion dollars a year and you will not be satisfied according to Ecclesiastes 5.10, which says he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. So watch out for money. Like it is fun having it, like, you know, being able to do whatever you want. But remember, God provided that to you. It is not yours. You're a steward of that. Um, And you can do a lot of good with it. I've thankfully been able to when I've been in the right mindset. So, yeah, we could talk more about that if you have questions later. But that is a high level view of a very complicated topic. Um, Now we're going to transition into just life outside of work, which is a whole other thing after college and just tackling that. The, The analogy we have there on your sheet is just spinning a bunch of plates. And you can manage like acrobats, just having all these plates spinning. That's what you're doing, essentially. Um, And hopefully, you're not dropping them and shattering them all over the place. Because if you think about it, you're at work for eight hours a day, probably more, to be honest. And then I don't know if you're going to have a commute. Who knows with this COVID stuff? But if you do have a commute, that's an extra hour or two. So that's about you know ten hours a day. And then you hopefully want to sleep. I encourage you to get eight hours of sleep. Maybe that's Trying too hard, but I think you should try to get eight hours of sleep eventually, Um, somewhere around there. But that leaves you about six hours a day to do what you want. Now, maybe you're thinking, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot of video games and TV. I can binge watch a lot of shows in six hours a day. But you've forgotten that you still have to go grocery shopping, cook, eat, you know, be part of a small group, do your laundry, have a quiet time, go to the bathroom, shower, you know, do all these things, see your family, see your friends. There's a lot of stuff you have to do. And one of the big differences is with work, you can't call in and say, I didn't do my groceries. Like, can I just skip work today? Like you can skip a class right now and honestly, you'll be fine. Right. You probably all have done this to some extent. Um, it doesn't work that way anymore. You know, you're, you're busy in college and, and I know you're all busy, uh, but after it's there's just more on top of that. Um, that's not to scare you. That's just to prepare you. What's going to be really important in life after college and dealing with just that huge chunk of time where you're dedicated to one task, um, maybe in an office building where you can't do, you know, run out and do things on the side. Um, prioritization is going to be super, super important with those six hours a day. Um, and those six hours a day are going to really make or break your walk with God, I think. Um, Cause if you don't use those, well, it is so easy to drift. Um, you know, it's tiring after work. Uh, you've been working hard all day. It's, it's very tempting just to, to go lay down on the couch or, or not want to do anything. But those six hours a day really will make or break you. Um, so obviously prioritize your walk with God first. You know, get that important time in where you're spending time with him, praying to him, memorizing verses, all these things we talk about, right? Get rid of, uh, not don't get rid of that. Get Go through that first. Um, prioritize time in community. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that later but really prioritize that in your schedule and then you can you know do the things that you want to do I, I think one thing that will really help you is just realize that you will not have time to do everything you want um, for example i love video games elden ring just came out does anyone know what i'm talking about yeah a couple thumbs up like this really cool video game from this company that i really like and i have to accept that that's pro- i'm probably not gonna be able to play that Um, I want to, but it's way lower on my list of priorities. I love sports. Like if I had infinite time, I would watch the Dodgers every night. I would buy season tickets and go to the stadium every night. I would love that. But I have to realize I just don't have that time. Um, And that's just not a priority for me. And that's okay. Like I have come to accept that everything I want to do in life, I will not be able to do Mm -hmm. because there are more important things to me. Like I really do want to make an impact with my life. I really do want to glorify God. And what I've learned is, you know, the most refreshing and restful time for me is time with God. It isn't just sitting around playing video games or playing sports because when I'm spending time with God, my, you know, my, my spirit is in the right place. I'm able to bear fruit. God, I'm able to rest in him. So, so be okay with, with not being able to do everything you want. It's okay because the big things in life, those are what's really going to matter and what's really going to make the difference. Um, we want to highlight community especially because I think that is probably the most important thing yeah. outside of, you know, a quiet time and spending time with God. Community is the most important thing after college. And it's also in my experience, the first thing to go, Yeah, right? We've seen it. Like yeah. I, I can think of people who, many people. many people who just fall off the map. Um, it's so easy to do because you're tired, you're busy. There's a lot of things going on and it's just so easy to just hang out at home. Um, I've done it myself. Um, so you know what I would really encourage you is don't let that part slip. Really prioritize community, and to do it, you're going to need to be more intentional after college, because everyone is busy. Everyone has tough schedules. Everyone's working. Everyone's tired. Like my calendar's booked. I don't even know until like May or something with you know appointments, trying to meet like my friends and hang out with them, because uh, it's just hard to do. And everyone's busy and now. You know, married. Kids, you know, it's just, I don't even know kids. Like that's a whole nother level that I can't talk to, but. Um, I can. Yeah, so. it, you not know, can. Um, it's tough and it's the first thing to go. So resist that temptation. Um, one of the things that was super helpful for me is exactly what Bob talked about, what was it yesterday morning of just having a group of guys that he could consistently get with. I have a group, um, Stephen and Ian are part of it you know, other staff members at USC and then a couple other guys that I knew in college. And we meet every month and we just have a long session where we just share what's going on in our lives. Honestly, we ask tough questions, we encourage each other. And that has been, I mean, I can't describe how helpful that's been just in keeping me walking with God. Um, Because there's many times in those meetings where I've been challenged or corrected, rebuked and all this, and it's been really helpful. Um, And so I hope that one day, you know, I'll be able to have a picture of you know, 50 years down the road where we're still walking with God together. But I really would encourage you to do that. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 is a great verse on that. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more, as you see the day jarring near. So we need to do that all the more. And it's really gonna help us out
2: yeah and i cannot agree more with what eric said like even now that you know i have like two kids under two hopefully some of you have met them they're super cute in case you didn't realize um but yeah like for example for for me like i meet up with a group of husbands um you know like uh, basically every first saturday of the month um, and I kid you not, having two kids, having a family, and when you're trying to like meet up with a bunch of husbands who are also in similar shoes, it's like almost like trying to thread a needle like from a thousand miles away or something, like all the stars have to align. But we we really treasure this time. We really look at this time for encouragement accountability to a point where we're willing to meet like the earliest we meet is 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And for some of you, it's like, I didn't know a 6 a.m. exists on sa- on Saturday. It does, Be encouraged, so, um,
0: but yeah. It's too early for us.
2: <laughs> I know, uh, but, but there are times, yeah, like we'll meet as early as 6 a.m. because the kids are still sleeping, you know, like our wife are still sleeping, then we can like, you know, come out and encourage one to meet one another without waking them up or anything. Um, and the the reason why we're willing to do that is because we really, really treasure community. We know that we need these guys that are you know walking alongside each of us like in, a, in that stage of life to encourage one another. Um, and that, I think um, kind of leads to kind of like the last thing I'm covering in terms of like housing situation after graduation. Um, and I think you know like this one, it's it's where I think it can be really helpful in setting up you setting you up with you know living in the right community and that is to live with those guys or girls um you know like like i cannot you know like share how many times like where i'm so glad that i continue to like live with like solid guys you know after i graduated um because graduation uh onto your first shop is a huge transitional period like i i hope that we have made that clear enough that it's a transitional period a lot of the things are changing your schedule, you know, your community, you know, like, like live in general. And I think it's a very, very crucial time that you need guys around you that, that, will encourage you, you know, that, that will, that will, that will be there for you. And there's no, you know, you know, easiest way to do it than having living with them, right? Because they'll be right there. Um, you know, like for example, when I first graduated, uh, I continued to live in Bonsalo, for, uh, which is a house um, that is uh, a lot of guys are still living in now. That, uh, you know, where I, I still surround myself with a couple of really solid guys. And, and they really helped me through that transition, no period. Um, you know, and the, and the first that came to mind is Ecclesiastes uh, 4, 9 through 12. It says like two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three-strand is not quickly broken. Remember, it's a lot harder to go through this transitional period on your own. So surround yourself, you know, with solid guys, solid girls, with good community, um, you know, live with them, you know, that, that they, they're there for you. Um, and that will really, really help you to, to continue to grow uh, and continue to head towards the right trajectory during this time. So with that, I'll hand that back to Eric.
1: Yeah, so, I and mean, just to conclude,
2: there's
1: a lot of information. Um, you may be thinking to yourself, It's time to pursue a PhD so I don't have to leave college because it sounds like this is hard. Yeah, think about it. No. Don't do it. That's right, Victor knows. Um,
4: let Let me
1: encourage you on this. I think life after college has been way more fun. I've enjoyed it more. College was great. I loved college. I have a lot of wonderful memories. But I have many more wonderful memories since then. Um, and so it it is hard. It it is like, it it is going to be a change and there is going to be an adjustment period and that's okay. What I would encourage you is keep going. Um, the reason I'm able to say that is because I have kept walking with God. Um, if not, I think life after college would be more stressful. I would be more anxious, all these different things, but I have really worked to stay close to God, put into practicing all these things that we've talked about and I think it's been more fun. Um, I've enjoyed it more, it's been great. And, and our hope for you is that you're, again, your your best years of walking with God aren't behind you, but are ahead of you. So hopefully this helps with that. Um, we're gonna use the rest of the time for questions. So, um, Alan. I don't know
4: if we'll be able to speak to this, but it, if you're moving to a different city or state after college, what would be your advice for, I guess, finding
2: community or even finding positive situation? Okay. You move to a different country. Yeah, I actually <laughs> moved to a different country altogether. So, uh, I'll I'll give that a shot. Um, that's a great question. Uh, did everybody hear Alan's question? Like, if you like moved move to like a different like location, you know, altogether state, like like what do do like? Um, I would highly recommend you. Um, really to, to seek out good community there. Uh, One of the things you can do is probably talk to your campus minister, you know, uh, and really like ask like, hey, like, do you know somebody out there that is solid, right? Like, is there like a solid church community out there? Uh, And a lot of times they do. Um, I, I honestly think like Neil probably knows like every solid church in like the whole world or something you know every time I ask him do you know somebody like the, you know the, here in this random place He's like oh yeah I, I know this guy like you know so but anyways so but yeah like you know ask ask your campus ministers like hey like I'm moving here you know do, do you you know do you have somebody we recommend to connect with uh, and we have definitely like alumni that has done that and they got connected with solid community there in continue grow over there as well. Um, and I think like this also brings up a very good point. It's that uh, a lot of times our culture says like, hey, like move to like also where your work needs you, right? Like you kind of like follow your work, but something that I believe Max Barnett always emphasizes like actually emphasize, focus on finding good community first and then you can figure out your job. It is a lot harder to find good community than to find a good job. so.
4: Come yeah. on. Okay. Um, so like as I've thought about this transition coming to college, like right now I look at my week and for me personally have Wednesday nights I'm at FC, Thursday nights I'm at challenge, Sunday morning I'm doing I'm at church. S- some Sunday evenings I'm doing ministry team and sprinkled all throughout that our individual deception meetups. It's like illustrious, it's growing, and you know, a lot is happening. And one of my biggest fears is that Maybe slowly over time, I'm going to transition to the only involvement I have is just like setting up chairs on Sunday or like being an usher or something like that. Like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that that becomes the extent. Like I'm involved a little bit in the Sunday morning and that's kind of it. You know, if I go up to the workforce. So I don't know if you guys ever thought of that or how have you avoided that in your life so that that doesn't become like your main thing, just a little involvement on a Sunday morning.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think for me, it's just been a, a decision I've had to make again and again and again, just I'm going to keep showing up and keep doing things because I want to I stay in the game. You know, I want to keep doing this. Um, and there have been seasons that that has been more difficult. Um, there have been seasons where I was just like, I don't think I can like, I just want to throw everything out the window and move to some island and <laughs> never see anyone again. Um, and I've had to... Obviously that's not feasible, but like I've had to tell myself like, no, like this is a great opportunity. And I think that's something that's really helped me is just instead of viewing it as this is something i got to do, it's no, this is something I get to do and an opportunity I have to be part of something bigger than myself. And I'm going to choose to find joy in this rather than, man, this is really stressful and I'm really tired. And so I've had to choose that again, again, and again, and again, and again, and I will continue to have to do that my whole life I'm sure. Um, but I just know that, um, I want to be used by God and I want whatever, whatever he wants. If it is just stacking chairs, I'll do it. But, um, whatever he wants, I want that. And I want to be a part of that. So just reminding myself of that has been really helpful.
2: Yeah. And I think like the, 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 the thing behind it, it's also like, there are two things I can think of. One, it's in terms of like the motivation of serving, right. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of, serving let's say in ministry at church i think like you know like somebody like setting up chairs is as somebody as important as somebody that's leading worship right i think it goes back to kind of like the heart behind it where like you know like we don't want to serve out of just like oh i just want to do the absolute minimal so i can check a box that oh i serve right i think that's that's kind of part of that question on the other hand, I also want to bring to a point, and that's kind of further down, but like there are different seasons in life as well. Mm-hmm. And going back to kind of one of our, our, our key point here is like, as you go on in different seasons of life, you tend to have more responsibility. You know, for example, right now, your responsibility as students is basically to do well in school, right? You know, to to graduate, do well in school. So that's one thing. But after you graduate, it will be like you have to Work, right Make, earn income um, and then next thing might be getting married right like you know start taking care of your family start having a family right and then in my case I start having kids right taking out having kids right and so you have more and more you know on, on your load and your respons- responsibility and at one point though you do have to start making decisions in terms of like what I'm gonna prioritize because if you prioritize everything you're prioritizing nothing. And I can guarantee you, if you're trying to prioritize everything, if you have a family, your family is going to hate you. (laughs) Right? That is just, right? Imagine, like, as a student or when I first started working, I go to campus almost every single night, right? Because I enjoy doing that. I enjoy hanging out with guys. But imagine me now having two kids and a wife. And if I go to campus every night, Bethany, as sweet as she is, she'll probably strangle me. You know? (laughs) Like, it's like... I never see you. You know, what's up with that? Oh, no, she won't do that. But, um, but, but does it make sense? Like in terms of like, you, you really have to start prioritizing what is the most important thing in your life right now, right? And therefore nowadays, I don't go to campus as often as I used to. But on the other hand, I make sure that my time there is productive. It's important. But on the other hand, I also really prioritize time I have with my kids because my ministry is to my kids and my family as well. So. Great question. Um
4: this goes kind of into the job interview process and I'm going to say this because and I and I know I'm not the only one. I can't count. I lost three internship applications because I got nervous and froze up during the interview. I mean, well, one of them I just stuttered. Like I was okay. like uh uh when she asked me the question for the L.A. Public Defender's Office, how are we, because you ne- when you walk in an interview, you never really know what they're going to ask. Mm-hmm. So how do you think, how, what are ways that you think would help uh, us so that we were not as nervous? Because I, I completely blew through three interviews, and then when I got this Congress one, for some reason I was just like, bam, 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 my like questions, like I was so much more ready. And I don't know why I blew the other three interviews. So how do you think we should approach, how do you think I'm...
1: Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things is realize interviews, they, they are a skill Like you, and practice helps. So, you know, like the more you do it, the better you'll get because you'll just be able to talk through different questions. Like I just went through, like I said, an interview process around six months ago or so. My first ones were pretty bad. Like I was like rusty and I was like, man, I don't even know what to say. But then by the time like I got to the one I eventually landed, uh, like my answers were just more well thought out. And, and I did take time to like think through some of the more common kind of like uh, questions. I think a really good thing I found was just make a matrix of stories that tell about your experience. So uh, a couple of stories about times you succeeded, a couple of stories about how you were a leader, a couple of stories about how you were, uh, how you failed and what you learned and just ha- master some key stories. Cause there's only so many kinds of questions that, c- at least behavioral questions that can be asked. And then you can kind of just pop out a story like, oh, well, this reminds me of this time and, and go into your story. There's always gonna be some random question. Like you, you might get something that, you know, You have no idea how to answer and and i think it's perfectly fine to say like huh i've never heard that before let me think about that for a second and do your best Um, i will say as again as someone who interviews i know you're nervous because i'm nervous in interviews too Um, we were, we were like doing an interview and we were slacking like the internal team and we're like, oh man, she's so nervous. I feel so bad (laughs) because she was like stuttering a little too. And it was like, we're, we're like, we're on your side. Like, I don't know, not everyone probably, but like at least a job where a boss is going to be for you they're they're on your side. Like we want to find someone good and like, we understand that it's stressful. So, um, I think it's okay to, I think it's okay to be nervous, um, I think the important thing is just as much as you can, practice through, um, talk through, think through, again, your stories, things that are really helpful, uh, things that kind of point out what what you're good at and what you bring to the table. Um, That that really helps. Yeah, one of
4: those interviews, they just woke me up. They they called me and woke me up. It's like 8 a.m. in the morning when they called, so there's no way.
1: Well, I'm saying, like, you can get prepared, like, even beforehand and write out, like, again, write out some stories, Um, you're you're not going to be prepared for everything, they can ask whatever they want, like, you know, and part of it, too, is they're trying to see how you think. Um, I'm trying to see, like, we we do things where we do, like, case studies, and they have no idea what we're going to ask, and we're like, hey, we're, you know, product manager here, design a product that does this, and they have to figure it out, and so we're trying to see how you think, too. So as much as you can talk things out, um, do your best. Again, trust God with it. Um, He's gonna get you the job he wants you to have. So if you totally blow an interview, it's fine. Like it's gonna happen. Like I've blown many interviews where I was like, man, that was awful. (laughs) I'm not getting a call back on that one, Um, and that's okay. You know, Um, eventually, like I said, it's a lot about fit and. Again, the job I got, I just remember thinking like, man, we were just like clicking on all these okay. different things. So there, so, uh, then Daniel. Okay. okay. I have like two questions. And really it's about ministry post-grad. Um
3: the first one is, I mean, I, I again for a number of us like being in leadership opportunities and so much of our time, like the school. Like at school, and then like basically what is meeting with other people, getting like groups stuff, ready events, different things like that. Like post grad, I think like that will look really different. And as someone who can sometimes like look at my schedule, because in a lot of ways your schedule re- reflects like what's important to you and what you value. Um, I guess almost like a sister question to Ramon's question, like how can I like get not be in my head about like oh so because I'm not spending this much time with like this many people like I'm not being as effective in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then particularly for Enoch because I noticed that you took a couple of years off in between graduating and then deciding to do staff the challenge like what happened over those three years that made you make a decision. And if that happened with you too Eric then share. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah,
2: so uh, I think the first thing uh, about kind of, like, schedule, it's um, Neil one, one, one time told me, like, you know, do not confuse busyness with productivity. Do not confuse busyness with productivity. And that really stuck with me, because for a long time, I really think, like, I am quote-unquote productive when my schedule is a solid color, right? Like, you know, when you look at, like, your, own, it's, it's just, like, colors, right? Like, no white space, like, right? yes, achievement unlocked. Um, but, no, like, at the end of the day, right, like, like, part of growing up and become more mature and more wise is to be able to discern what really matters, right? Um, and part of it, um, I believe was Romano, right? Uh, when Seth Gatchel has a session, right? You know, you guys spend uh, quite a bit of time essentially cover, uh, covering about having like buffer time, right? Like, you know, like they're like, like it's so important to also give yourself buffer time to breathe, to refresh, to recover, right? Um, and so, you know, going back to that is you, you really have to grow in that wisdom and how to discern, am I just, trying to be busy for the sake of being busy, or am I I actually being productive in how I use my time? Um, Hope that makes sense, the first one. Um, The second one, thanks for bringing that up. So for context, uh, for those of you who don't know, when I first graduated, uh, basically I I worked for a little bit, and then what I did is I I went overseas to uh, East Asia to do mission work for a couple of years full time. Um, and um, that was really because of what God has done in my life, and my heart during my senior year. Long story short, um, basically challenge, uh, at that point, we decided to pivot more to also reaching out to inter- international students. So at that point of my life, I was at this critical juncture where I feel like I've been part of ministry team for a while, but on the other hand, I also feel like I wasn't really like, getting a lot of fruit, you know, like, I feel like, you know, I, 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 my life group has always been kind of, like, really small, you know, like, like I haven't really got the chance to lead somebody to faith. And so I was kind of really doubting myself in terms of, like, am I really made to do, you know, ministry moving forward? But then, you know, like, challenge, we made a pivot to, we're going to reach out to students, international students. So I started reaching out to international students, especially from East Asia. And, um, like over that time, God just really changed my heart. Um, you know, like, like God really break my heart for them and, and really changed my heart to like love on them. So I, I really start reaching out to them. And, and something really amazing happened. Um, I start seeing guys responding. I start seeing them coming to live group and committing to, to their life to Christ. And I cannot tell you how sweet that was. Back then, I thought like helping somebody to come to faith is almost like a myth. Like you hear these like faith giants like Neil, you know, like, you know, like leading like crowds of people to faith, you know, Max Barnett, right? I mean, like all these like giants like of faith or something like that. And I was just thinking like, you know, like it probably never could have happened to me. But when I first led a guy to faith, that was a feeling I remember at that point of life. I was like, this is something I'll never forget and something I want to be about moving forward in my life. Um, so I start praying more and more. Um, and essentially, ultimately, God led me to this question. And this question is, hey, Enoch, what is something that I've been very intentional in your life that you have no control over? And I'll repeat that. What is something that I've been very intentional in your life that you have no control over? And that's because God is in the character shaping business, right? He made every single one of you a very unique way for a particular reason. And that reason is to glorify him. Like we're made in his image to glorify him. And so I start thinking, it's like, well, uh, I'm born, you know, like as an Asian for a reason. And I have no control over that, right? It's not like I can just like click. I want to select my gene to be this race. you know? No, like that has been decided for me. Right. Um, I understand East Asia culture for a particular reason, right? Because I grew up there, right? That's something I have no control over. I understand their language for that particular you know, and once again, I have no 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 control over that as well. And so as I think through these lists of questions, I realize like God has really shaped me and molded me for this particular purpose, and that is to reach out to st- students, university students in East Asia. So my next next logical question is, where can I find a lot of East Asia college students? Yeah. <laughs> East Asia, I guess. So end up, you know, like long story short, a lot, you know, fast forward a lot, end up, you know, got open a lot of doors. Uh, at the end, I was able to essentially go to East Asia to do ministry, student ministry there full time uh, for a couple of years. And I was, I'm not gonna lie, that was some of the toughest years in my life. Um, if anyone has been on the, Mission feud in a different country, you'll know that it's 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 not easy. But those were also the one of the sweetest time, one of the best time in my life. Um, um, it has such a deep imprint in who I am today, my walk with God and my love for for God. Because whilst they are seeing God do amazing things, you know, like being able to see like local churches with next to nothing. But depending on their faith and their faith alone to persevere through persecution, like got to work with the local leaders, got to help them start churches, all these things. Just like seeing, like God is so faithful. Um, so yeah, so so and and ultimately, you know, like uh, and of course, there's also the benefit of I end up finding my wife there. So that's a that's a that's a good story to share later. But really, um, you know, like. Long story short, like you know, those years, even though I took a couple of years off from quote unquote my career, you know, as an architect, those actually helped really my career so much because that helped me to know that there's so much more than just my career. It's so easy to think that your life after your college, after your school, is all about your career. But that's a lie. There is so much more to life than just your career after graduation. And doing those couple years really helped me to see that. So I hope that answers the question. You.
1: Daniel? Um, oh, yeah, oh, okay. Sorry. Oh,
4: okay. Other Daniel. Um, <laughs> uh, kind of jumping off that, could you explain like how to discern whether or not you should take time off before jumping into a career um, and like discerning what to do with that time of you you
2: choose to take time off? Like uh, the question is, can you like discern when to, whether to take time off, right? Before jumping a career. And Eric, feel free to jump in as well. um, I think there's like a multitude factor you have to consider. Uh, One, I think a huge part of finances, Um, you know, like at the end of the day, like, you know, once you graduate uh, you do have to consider where what your financial situation is, right because you know like like right now a lot of you might have the kind of luxury of your parents supporting you right while you go through school, but there might also be you know the expectation that once you graduate, you need to start supporting yourself right and that is part of being a responsible adult right is to be able to support yourself um so I would say some you have to kind of consider that right are you financially able to take a couple of years off before, you know, jumping into, you know, a job, right? Um, you know, in my case, like, um, I was able to live, like, on very little, especially when I was overseas. So I was able to, uh, you know, avoid, you know, or like, I was not forced into diving into, like, let's say a career job, right? Um, you know, and and on the other hand, it also, I think, relate back to, um, what's the purpose of taking those couple of years off, right? Um, and that is really between you and God, to pray through that, right? Is he calling you into something particular, right? It was very clear that he called me into doing full-time ministries, you know, for that duration before I jump back into doing architecture. And I know that I'll be disobeying God if I don't do that. Um, but that is something that is very personal between you and God, that you have to pray through it and get wise counsel so Oh, i yeah. That was good. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, just FYI, I think dinner is at six, so we can probably do one more question. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, I think
1: uh, something that, like,
4: everyone's pretty smart here,
1: so I'm assuming we mm-hmm. might have multiple options for jobs. Uh, or maybe even just applying, but how do you go through the process of discerning, like, if you have multiple offers, or even in applying to jobs, like what types of jobs you're interested in doing, or like should be paid, or um, what might be helpful in thinking through that. Yeah, um, I think, I think the answer that we sometimes think is the right answer is what pays more, or what's going to be the better benefit, um, and that's not always the right answer. Um, often, it's not not the right answer. Uh, in my Again, I just moved jobs and I did have two offers and I took the lower one. And um, I guess I'll tell the story and hopefully that answers the question. I think the reason I did that is I, I, I asked a lot of questions in my interview about um, the company culture and just the working situation. And I, and I learned that if uh, on the higher paying job, they were totally remote, 100%. Didn't even have an office, um, 100% remote. Uh, and so all of my interaction with coworkers would be, on Zoom, my boss would be in Vancouver. Uh, very hard to have a ministry. And this office was local, or the other job was local. Um, uh, a lot of the team was my age. And so uh, I felt like I could connect with them better and in interviews, I connected with them a little better. Um, looking to go hybrid, so I would have in-person time with them. And so for me, my my guiding, my North Star, so to speak, was, I. I want to be a light at work. And that was the most important thing to me. And, um, after that, then it was, you know, okay, what kind of projects would I be working on and stuff like that. But the most important thing to me is I I really do want to have a ministry at work. I've seen God work in my other job. I've seen people come to know him through that other job. I want this to happen again. And that really helped me discern. Like, I don't think this higher paying one is for me. Um, it just doesn't make sense with my mission to really glorify God. I obviously I can glorify God with the work I did. And obviously there would be opportunities to talk to those coworkers. But for me, it just felt like the greater opportunity was with the other job, so I took the other job Um, and I'm glad I did. I I think it's been a good fit so far. Um, But I think really having a clear um, sense of what is work really about? Because it's not just about making money. That's part of it. But the greater part is you are glorifying God. You are an ambassador for Christ at your job. Do you think this situation is one where you can do that well? Is the team one where you can connect with them? Or is everyone, you know, 60 years old and it's gonna be hard for you to relate. Like there's jobs like that obviously, but um, that really has helped me discern when I've had multiple offers. I mean, that's only happened once, but uh, that was helpful for me, just having a very clear sense of this is my mission which goes beyond my job. It's it's my whole life. And so this one doesn't really match up. It matches up financially, but that was it. That was the only one it checked off. Um, the other one, while, you know, still was fine, you know, I'm, I'm fine, you know, <laughs> financially, um, but it had all these other things where I could really make an impact, I thought. And so I picked that one. And obviously I prayed a lot through that, asked advice. You know, I talked to Neil about it and Jeremy, and they agreed, so. So yeah hopefully you get multiple offers and you can have that luxury um and then that's just a really prayerful prayerful decision i would say
2: yeah and i know we're out of time so the last thing i'll mention is also like know the work culture as well yeah. because once again i want to emphasize like your career your job is not your only priority after you graduate you know if there's a job that pays really well but it requires you to work 24 7 over the weekends and whatnot, and that prevents you from being part of community mm-hmm. or ministry. And then there's a lower paying job that has more flexibility that allows you to be part of community and still do ministry and do other things in life. I will take the lower paying job any day. You know, you know, and, and that goes back to like what is important to you, what is your priority. So with that, I think we're out of time, but thank you for your time today. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to the spring break 2022 season of the USC Christian challenge podcast. Catch up on and review the rest of the sessions right here on all of your favorite podcast platforms and leave us a review. If you please get involved and find out more about us weekly, small groups and upcoming events. Like this spring break retreat on Instagram at USC challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.